Welcome to John Longwell Media. Creative multimedia, including music, inspirational messages, and audio prose. Today's message is entitled, Hold Fast, recorded on June 5th, 2022, at Revive Church in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, where John serves as a teaching pastor. I pray you will be blessed by the message as you listen. Here now is John Longwell. This morning, um... I have a sermon entitled Hold Fast, and um, I was excited that we were going to be preaching out of the book of Hebrews. It's such a cool book, and this sermon is really a high overview of the book of Hebrews, really focusing on the whole purpose of, for why it was written, really looking at the audience of the, um, of the book itself. <clears throat> and so I kind of saw this book as a search and rescue for this specific group of individuals because the book of Hebrews was written to Hebrew Jews and they're kind of a second generation. They weren't around for when Jesus was walking on the earth and they are as a result of the apostolic ministry that's gone out and they've been converted. But they're a little bit of a transitionary group of believers because they're coming out of a religious system that had been established really since Moses, the sacrificial system, the priesthood, and all that kind of stuff. And so now they have this new opportunity to have salvation under Christ. And everything about Hebrews is Christ is superior. It's better. It's it's better than Moses, the angels, all of that priesthood. Everything is complete in Christ. But they're a bit of a straddling generation. They've got one foot in the old system. They've got one foot in the new system. And I kind of want to give you an example of that from James chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. And this is that verse of scripture that says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But it comes with a condition. It says, But let him ask in faith. Um, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. And so this is a bit of a picture of who these Hebrew Jews were, the, the Christian Jews. They, they were straddling one foot in the old system and one foot in the new system. You might say that they were enlightened about Christ, but they weren't fully committed to that path. And I want to use the metaphor today of a ship. And so they are kind of this um, tossed to and fro by the sea. They're not really fully in one direction. They're not really fully in the other direction. And I find it really interesting that God did something to this specific group of Jews. Hebrews, the scholars must agree that it was written right around 65 A.D. And there came... Uh, once the Orthodox Jews got tired of the Christian Jews, they actually started to ban them from the synagogues. And so now these Christian Jews were abandoned from their own religion that they had grown up in. And so now they don't even have any place to worship. Well, 70 AD comes around, and the Romans destroy the temple in Jerusalem. And so now physically there's no place to go to even conduct the sacrificial system. It reminds me of uh, Cortez, the conquistador who came over. What did he do? He burned all of his boats. 
so that his guys that were with him, he goes, you guys don't have a, a chance to go back to the old world. We're committed. We are going forward. And this is almost the picture of what God was doing to these Christian Jews. He's saying, we're going to leave it all behind, and I want you guys to march forward. And the, the key component for them to make this happen was their faith. Now we and I was and we'll get into the the whole metaphor in just a second. So we know that faith is a gift. In Ephesians chapter two verse eight it says, "For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing; it is a gift of God." So I've always kind of wondered about that. You know, it's like so if God has me and I have God, but even if I let go of God, God still has me, right? Because yeah, because he's the one holding me. And so it's always kind of confused me about faith. Well, if faith was a gift and I need faith in order to be saved, then didn't God save me through his own will? It's, you kind of get a little bit um, confused sometimes on the role of faith because we know that there's nothing that we can do by our own works to get our salvation, but we also know that faith is a key component of that. And so as I was looking into this a little bit, faith is a human response which allows salvation to become operative. So think of it in this way. At night when I sleep, involuntarily my body will breathe for me. Right? So that you wake up in the morning. <laughs> but I can hold my breath and I can stop that action. And I don't know that I could ever hold my breath purposely and kill myself. And so faith operates a little bit like that. We, we can do things in our life that stop the flow of that operation. And that's really what faith is. It's There's things that we can do to step away in our relationship from God that affect us negatively, destructively, those around us. And we still have, it doesn't mean that when we have those lapses in faith that our salvation has been severed, but it does mean that how we choose to operate in our faith can have an impact on our relationship with God on a day-to-day basis. Does that make sense? Okay. So the Christian Jews agreed in theory, but they didn't fully entrust themselves to Christ. They were divided between Judaism and Christianity. And they were like an untethered boat. Have, have any of you ever been in a boat before? Just so you guys kind of understand what that's like. Um, there was one time when I was vacationing up in Minnesota with my family, and my dad would always rent a little boat, and we'd put our motor on the back, and we'd go out fishing. So we had tied the boat to the dock, and there was a big storm that night, and we got up the next morning, and we realized how bad our knot was <laughs> that had been used to tie the boat to the dock because the boat was about a 100 yards off <laughs> down the shore. It had come loose in that storm. where the So it was securely tied to the dock while the water was still. But once the waves started to churn up, it put enough um, movement in that knot to cause it to come undone, and that boat just started to go adrift. And so as we use the metaphor where we are that boat and Christ is the dock, what would be our faith? The rope. That rope is what holds us fast to Christ. And so we're going to use that, that metaphor a little bit today as we begin to look at faith as it comes to our relationship with Christ. So faith is our rope securing us, the boat, secure to the dock, which is Christ. Now this is the focus of Hebrews 
And in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, um, he makes this statement. He says, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. And I find that little three-word sentence, pay much closer. That is saying that we really need to put our focus on this. It's I was kind of... We, every once in a while we'll get together for a movie night at home and we're all, you know, gonna watch this movie and then you look about ten minutes into the movie and all three of us are on our phones. <laughs> and I'm like, we're not even paying attention to this movie. We're not even enjoying this time together, even though we had purposed this time. And it's kind of like the difference between passively watching a movie because you're kind of doing other stuff, maybe reading or doing that, and then actively really going and seeing that, we went to go see the Top Gun movie this this last week, and it was really cool. I was thinking about this sermon specifically, and and I gotta say it was a real blockbuster. And one of the things that I really liked about this movie, the latest Top Gun movie, was they didn't um, dismiss the previous movie that happened 30 years ago, a younger Tom Cruise. They really brought back a lot of the elements to it. And, and we're, I'm going to show you how that reference uh, relates to this scripture, relates to the whole book of Hebrews in just a minute. So he, the author is basically saying, okay, you guys know the old system of salvation under, Juda- in, under Judaism, but you have learned what the new system is under Christ, and you need to pay much closer attention, because if you don't, guess what? You're going to drift away. You're going to drift back to that which is normal and comfortable, that which you grew up with. Now, if you've ever had a rope and you've you've had it tied to something for a long time and maybe it's been out in the elements, you'll notice that sometimes as a rope ages, it can get brittle. And what can happen is when you try to bend it into a knot, It'll actually start to fray. Those little cords of the rope will, will start to break. And really the integrity of the rope at this point is no longer good. You wouldn't want to tie anything of substance that you really want to hold in place. Um, in Hebrews 3.13, um, well, he, he talks to the Jews about how one of the ways that our faith is affected is when our hearts become hard. And he talks about how in um, Hebrews 5, verses 7 through 8, he says in the, oh wait, I'm sorry, that's the wrong scripture. Um, in Hebrews 3.8, he says, Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the days of testing in the wilderness. So this little reference here is to the Jews when they were rescued from Egypt, they were brought out, this whole generation, they had a wonderful promise. Well, number one, the fact that they were even freed from Egyptian rule was amazing. That was miraculous. Of course, we know that the struggle they had with Pharaoh, he wasn't going to let them out. But finally, now they're free. And you would think that every day would be a day of gratitude for this generation of the Jews that were no longer under that heavy burden of task to build and work for the Pharaoh, doing his bidding. And now they're, they're walking and their goal, their destination is the promised land. But that's not the case. Just like us, the day-to-day grind started to wear on this group of Jews, and they began to grumble, and they began to complain, and they, they made statements like, well, it's, it should have been better for us. We should have just stayed there in Egypt and, and died under that system than being let out here. And the, their hearts got so hard that God just made the proclamation, I'm sorry, I can't take you and deliver you to receive the promise. And so we know that the Jews, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation, minus Caleb and Joshua, died off. 
And so he's making that reference saying, don't allow your hearts, don't allow the dailiness of your walk cause your heart to become hardened. And I don't mean to dog in this, but it, it just kept coming up in my heart over and over again. And I just wanted to, I just want us to, to have information about the dangers of social media. It's been around for about two decades now. And I want us to just take a real quick journey through media for like the last 70 years. During World War II, when we got media about the war, where would you have to go? You'd have to go to a movie theater to see a newsreel of what had been going on during that time. They didn't have that instant access. And then even during Vietnam, we would get the nightly evening reports, but it wasn't really like the 90s Gulf War where we had the media that were embedded in the fields. And I remember that we were watching those rockets go off in real time. I was like, man, this is some, this is some Star Wars kind of stuff, seeing those rockets go over there. And it got to the point where the enemy was going and actually surrendering to the media because they were embedded with the soldiers and they had on all of their, their tactical armor and stuff. And so we've seen the media go from that point. But even in that realm, we were still spectators to what was going on. Now in the age of social media, we're not only spectators, but we're, almost, we're also commentators. We can instantly reply, and it's not like writing a little message in your diary about your thoughts. This stuff goes out there, and it's there for all to see, and sometimes for others to respond to the things that you've said. How often have we read in the news about something going viral within a matter of a half an hour, Someone, some celebrity that has said something, and then also what happens is that message becomes laminated digitally for all time. It's always going to exist on some medium somewhere where somebody has captured that screenshot or that information or that text. And then what, what happens? So we've seen this in this day and age in which we live in. So somebody makes a comment 20 years ago. Well, now some, and that comment was made in a day where morality was this and things were accepted and it was very innocent, the statement that was made. Well, now we go ahead 20 years later and the sliding scale of morality has changed and now what wasn't judged 20 years ago is now judged today and someone comments on that statement that was made and that person is now a villain because of something that they made that was innocent and accepted in the generations in which they lived. You know what this shows to me? Is that there's a very demonic crafting of this system in this medium. There's confusion, and there's chaos, and the enemy uses that for his end all goal, which is destruction. And so I use this as a very modern example of how the enemy would cause us to have hardened hearts. And we know that even comments have been made about church, about Christianity, about Jesus Christ, intolerance, all these things, whatever you want to say. And it's caused even those that may have had a sympathetic or an interest in Christianity, their hearts have now become callous, their hearts have become cynical, and in the end, they had been deceived into sin, and now they are set adrift because there's nothing holding them fast. And so this is exactly what we are warned about. Don't allow that hardness of your heart to come in. Make that rope brittle, cause it to break, and cause you to be set adrift. And here is his um, remedy for this, and I think that this is so 
refreshing. Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Simply, you know, and, and that's what I love. That's This is the counterbalance of social media. You'll get somebody that says something so beautiful, so wonderful, such an excellent reminder of the simplicity of life, how it's not about riches, it's not about wealth, it's not about where you live, how you live. It can be sometimes as simple as a kind word that can change someone's day. You know, my wife was in the, she was in the line at, at McDonald's the other day and she did one of those, I want to pay for the people behind me. And she just had to call me and tell me about that. And I was like, you know what? That is so cool. I don't know that I've ever done that. But it's such a cool thing to do. And then what was funny was she had pulled over to make her sandwich or whatever it was. And the lady came up behind her that was in the car and she just thanked her. And she was just, it caught this lady by surprise. And it was one of those points of encouragement and exhortation. I'm sure that lady didn't didn't think about that. You know, and we, we all live in an day and age where McDonald's isn't that huge of a of an expense to, to, to go grab a burger or fries or whatever. But it was such a blessing when someone purposed to encourage someone else. And God is saying, you know what, even with all of the cynicism and the destructiveness that the enemy wants to do, we have the tools to combat that simply by taking advantage of that opportunity to encourage one another. Okay. So I want to now share with you how Hebrews was such a rescue manual for this specific generation of um, Jews. It's because a lot of other Gospels and New Testament books were written to help the Gentiles come into the faith because up to this point, Gentiles were were excluded. They were not an accepted group of people that should receive salvation, that sh- should receive anything if you're a Jew. And so this is a group of Christian Jews that's really trying to make that transition. And I like to use the example of if you've ever had an employee or maybe you've had a manager and then you get a new manager and that manager says, no, I need to train you in my way of management. So if you've been an employee for a long time, guess what? You get to be retrained. And sometimes that's a difficult process because everything that you know is from the previous manager. And so this is kind of that same situation with these Jews. They've got to be retrained under this new system where all of the attaboys were coming from the old system. And that's why they kind of kept one foot in there and they're like, yeah, but I get I get good feedback when I still say that I'm a practicing Jew and I, I adhere to all of the, the moral, ethical laws and I go do the sacrificial system, even though God is saying, if you're going to rely upon that, then you have no part in what Christ is offering to you. Because it's a slap in the face to say that something needs to be sacrificed when Christ's sacrifice was the one and last one that would ever need to happen for all of eternity. And so what is so amazing about the book of Hebrews is Hebrews is one of the best commentaries of the New Testament on the Old Testament. The writer of Hebrews takes all of the laws and the principles from the Old Testament and he says, this is what it means. He spells it out in saying everything from the Old Testament, this is how it's summarized. This is how it all makes sense in the life of Jesus. And so that was kind of his personal letter to this group of Christian Jews. And I used the example of the, the newest Top Gun movie. What I really liked about it is they didn't divorce it from the first one. There's characters and there's homages and there's references to the old movie that us, you know, old Top Gun guys went to go see and we enjoy that. 
And sometimes you'll see a sequel and you're like, man, that could have been a completely standalone movie. It had no reference. It had, had no anything to this original movie. And it was such, they even had, um, do you guys remember Faltermeyer? He's uh, one of the guys that did the music for like the Eddie Murphy um, movies. I was like, oh wow, that is some old 80s music. I love this. And so they even had some cool soundtracks and everything. It was just a really fun experience, kind of like a nostalgic walk back to the old movie with a lot of cool stuff from, um, from this era. So that was really neat. All right, so uh, one of the last things that I want us to talk about is that we can sometimes grow dull of hearing when it comes to the message of salvation. Um, and this was one of the other things that was happening to this group of Christian Jews. They grew dull of hearing, and in the process, they just tuned out. And as I began to analyze this, I, I had to be honest with myself and say, you know what? Sometimes when I get to the service, when, when the, the speaker will talk about giving the altar call for salvation, I kind of just tune out because I'm like, man, I've been to a hundred of these. And I, and I forget how this is that moment of change for this individual. So I encourage us, you know, if we're ever in that opportunity, just be in prayer for whoever it is that might, this might be their day of change. But one of the other reasons why, as I was analyzing this, why it is that I sometimes tune out when it comes to salvation in general is because salvation is something that I'm not experiencing in the sense of I'm walking down the streets of gold, I'm, I'm, I'm in a sinless body, there's no more pain, there's no more despair. I'm not yet experiencing that. I know that that's the promise in my future. In fact, as we look at um, the actual definition of faith, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, this part of my walk is not yet seen. And so on a daily basis, I'm not necessarily in touch with the, oh, wow, I wonder what my new mansion's going to look like in heaven. I'm not thinking along those terms. But what I am thinking about is the reality of the trials and the circumstances and the testing and the suffering that I'm going through. That's tangible to me. That's the realm in which I live. And what is amazing about Christ and how he is so personal to us because his point of reference for us is his humanity. In Hebrews 5 verses 7 through 8 it says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who is able to save him from death. Let's not just brush over that too fast. It says that in, when Jesus was in the flesh, and sometimes we think of Jesus as like this, you know, grown man that was just placed on the earth. He had all the DNA of God. Everything was just kind of downloaded, and here he was, and he was just ready to go on his ministry. We forget because there's not a lot written about it. We have a, a little bit of a passage about when Jesus was kind of a teen, when he was left behind, and he was at the temple, and they had to turn the caravan around and go back and see where he had gone to. But we don't have a lot of his formative years until he launches into his ministry. So we don't get to see the growth and the development of the person Jesus. And here we see a very human kind of a response. It says, with loud cries and tears, he offered up prayers to his father who was able to save him from death. And it says he was heard because of his reverence. He understood the right, the right way to approach God, which was not like, hey God, I'm your son. 
you know, let's, let's make all this stuff not happen. There's got to be another way. He accepted the plan that was his destiny, and he simply asked God for strength to help him walk it out. And the next, um, next little part of the scripture is, is amazing. It says, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And if we were ever to answer this question for somebody that's going through a difficult time, they probably wouldn't receive it. But the question would be, why does God allow suffering? The answer is right in here. So that we would learn obedience. But if you were to tell that to somebody, they'd probably punch you in the nose when they're going through a hard time because they don't need to hear that during that time. But as we're growing in this development process in our faith, if we can take a hard answer to a difficult question like that and put it in our heart, what it allows us to do when we go through those times of suffering and difficulty, it allows us to approach it from a new vantage point and go, okay, I'm suffering. This is really difficult. But Christ learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Lord, I know that you want to take me from point A to point B. And I know that at point B, you want me to be more rounded, more knowledgeable, have greater understanding and wisdom. Lord, what is it that I can learn, that I can grasp hold of in the midst of this? Obviously, it's probably not going to change the level of pain or difficulty. But within our tribulation, we're told that we have peace, peace that passes our understanding. We're told that he will help us. He will, If there's a need, he'll help us to find that way to succeed. We will be able to have a different way of looking at that simply by having this knowledge that Jesus walked in his humanity through his sufferings and his trials. And at the end of it, because he was obedient through that suffering. And so as I was looking at the question of... Um, why am I not experiencing salvation in this daily walk that I have? And then I realize, you know what? My connection isn't necessarily to Christ and salvation and us walking down the streets of gold. My connection with Christ is in my suffering. Because in his weakness, he related to us in all things. And so when I look at the book of Hebrews and how it was so specifically written to this group of Christian Jews, it was God's way of saying, you know what, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't, I don't, I'm not going to just give you a mandate and say, figure it out on your own. I want to give you a book that relates to everything that you've understood up until now about what your relationship with God is like. And I want to help you make the transition from here to here. And so as we look at Hebrews 11, he goes and he he does he helps to paint a story of all of the heroes that they've known from the Old Testament from Noah to Abraham to Sarah to Enoch and he says by faith by faith by faith all of these heroes to say you know what it wasn't because they followed some Old Testament law or system or covenant, but you know what got them to their relationship to God? It was their faith. It was that rope that held them fast through whatever difficulty or challenge or situation they were going to. And he he took it out of a language and out of a setting that they were familiar with. That was their original Top Gun movie for them that they were able to look back to. And he goes, okay, and now here's Jesus again, and we've got this sequel, and it's better than the first but guess what? The characters from the previous one 
are still just as relevant as this new um, one that's just come out. And so he walks them through that. And it's just amazing because God speaks to them in a way that they understand so that they will trust him. And I want to go ahead and conclude today with uh, Hebrews 11.39, which says, And in all of these, and he's these that he's speaking of is that whole list of heroes of the faith. He said, Though commended through their faith, they did not receive what was promised. And this is a very interesting scripture because let's look at the life of Moses. Moses' whole destiny was to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land. Well, you would have thought, well, that would be also a destiny for him, that he would enter into the promised land. But we know that through the circumstances of that story, that Moses only looks from afar into the promised land. He was never actually physically able to put his foot on that land. And I make this statement because a lot of times we get so caught up in what the end goal is. What's the destiny? What's the destination? And I say that because we as this American church, we can sometimes misapply faith. We sometimes think that faith is a power we possess to create our own future. We ask God to believe and trust in our plans, but faith is us believing and trusting in his ways. Faith is giving ourselves over to God confidently trusting in all that he has purposed for us. And when we trust him, what happens is we don't always know what it is that we're hoping for. Hebrews 11.1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So sometimes what we hope for can be a little vague, can be a little bit obscure. We kind of know the general direction that God has us going in, but we don't. Have you ever tried to nail God down on something? You're like, okay, God... Okay, I'll, I'll tell you this. this. This is a story from years ago. So when I was first trying to get married to, to my first wife, I had this, I was going to buy this, this diamond because I, I, he had, I'd met with this guy from school who sold diamonds and stuff. He goes, it's much cheaper to buy the diamond separate from the ring and then you can get the ring and all that stuff. And so it was great and it was, I didn't have any money to buy this, but I was trusting in faith and the guy's like, I just kept putting him off and he goes, well, I need the money. I still have the diamond in my possession because he let me hold on to it. He goes, you either need to give the diamond back to me this day or pay for it so that you can have it. And I was just like, okay, God, if this is really supposed to be, then you're going to provide this money. I remember all night long, I was like, okay, tomorrow's the day, God. Tomorrow's the day and I don't know how you're going to give me this money. And I went <laughs> and I met up with the guy and I'm like, maybe I'll find an envelope in my car. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll find the money somewhere. And I got there, and there was no money. <laughs> I had put this this deadline on God, and it, and it wasn't meant to be on that day, on that day, on that time. That was my plan. That was where I had put my faith, and I had prayed. And so the whole thing isn't about faith, as in okay, just ask whatever it is that you want. Our faith needs to be in the will of God. Yeah. That's why it says in Romans eight twenty eight. Um, all things work together for those that are called according to God, according to his purposes. If we are walking in a way that we know are his purposes, and, and what did the scripture that we just read? If you lack wisdom, just ask. So, and a lot of, our whole walk as a Christian is a course correction type of a walk. 
It's like, okay, God, I'm going this way. He's like, that's great. Now let's just adjust a little bit this way. You know, <laughs> and then sometimes we sin and we know what that looks like. He goes, now you need to adjust all the way back around. Sin literally means to about face, to turn around and go in the other direction. And so, um, as we conclude today, I just want us to rest in the knowledge that faith will hold us fast. As, as we sang that song today, pay attention. And it really goes back to that, that verse that he exhorted them with. Now pay much closer attention to the things that you have heard, lest you drift away. If you will keep God's word close to you, he will guard your heart. He will guard your path. He will lead you in the way everlasting. And if you have any doubts, if you have any questions, just ask of God. And God will give you liberally and generously, if you ask in faith, expecting to receive. So let's go ahead and pray. And uh, if we could have the, um, the prayer folks come up. And uh, if you guys have any prayer needs, I do encourage you to, to come and make them known before God. Um, if you don't know how to pray and you, you have that, that sense of, man, I really need help, I need direction, come and, and, and get some prayer this morning. So, Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you care about us enough to be able to specifically and personally tailor um, the answer for us, Lord God, to give us that direction so that it's not just vague and just kind of out there, but you literally want to take us by the arm and say, come in this direction. I will help you through this time. And so, Father God, we know that faith is essential. It is that which connects us to you. Lord God, help us to do things to guard our faith. Help us to be um, discerning so that we see when the enemy tries to come in with the deceitfulness of sin to try to unravel us and take us away from you and set us adrift. Father God, help us to um, walk closely to you, holding fast to you. Father God, we just love you and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this inspirational message. Please email questions, comments, and booking information for John to mail at johnlongwell.com to see the full range of creative works, including books, inspirational messages, music, art, and web development content, please log on to www.johnlongwell.com. Thank you for listening, and may God's blessings be yours in abundance.